You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans, where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the 12 best songs by an artist without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 48, this week's artist, Silver Chair. As the world upon your shoulders falls low across the night like acid rain-covered roses without you, dearest helpless, do you feel the same? The door is cracked and the lever has been pulled. After all these years, you can see the fault line. We learn to hate, the freak prize, abuse me, lie to me. You must find a way to love your life, curing this emotion sickness, so we can wake from the suicidal dream in new satin sheets. Tomorrow we'll be out of the shade, and as those thieving birds fly, the steam will rise, and the greatest view will be your hosts, Rob Heitman, Jacob Newkirk, and the man that knew too much, media insider, Ben Davitt. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen or Top 12 Silverchair songs while discussing their music and pounding back a few brews. I'm Rob. I'm Ben. And I'm Jake. There we go. Welcome, Ben. We've been friends for a bit. He's a media mogul, well, kind of. <laughs> and always love talking music with you, so thank you for coming. Yeah, uh, this is great. Thank you for having me. Happy you, to be here. You excited? Yeah, very excited. We're heading back to one of our favorite places for a band, Down Under, Australia. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, we've done a lot of, well, we've done several Australian bands. I think the only mm. one we're really kind of holding out on is ACDC. It's the only one we haven't hit yet, at least any major one. In 1994, at 15 years old, a trio called Silverchair shot to fame just as the grunge era was coming to a close. Their music grew a lot since then, somewhat dramatically over the last five albums until they broke up in 2011. And Daniel Jones is still doing his own thing mm. and still reaching in new directions, really. So the other guys, too, though. Yeah. There are generally two, maybe three camps in Silverchair fans. One likes just the early stuff. One likes just the later stuff. And I guess the third camp likes both. Where do you stand, Jake? As of today, I'm in the third camp. But that's only because we've been deep diving into this stuff. Because I stopped paying attention to them a long time ago. I thought everything they did now was like um, poppy, horrible stuff. But I was surprised. I learned a lot from this. Yeah, I think that's right along the line of me. I came in, I knew Freak Show, I knew Stomp. That was pretty much awesome, it. Yeah. I came in, I'm like, okay, that's what's going to be. And I started listening to it. And I tell you what, Neon Ballroom for me is probably one of my favorite albums. Diorama is really good. Young Modern yeah. even has some good stuff that I liked. Ben? Yeah, I have to agree uh, with the Camp 3 with that part. It's been a while since I've listened to them for sure. And like you said, it was uh, Frog Stomp and Freak Show was the ones that I kind of listened to. And then hitting play on Frog Stomp and then hitting stop on Young Modern and just hearing on how they went throughout that time and mm -hmm. the depth that they kept having throughout their different albums I thought was great. There, there are good songs across the board and it depends on the kind of mood. Young Modern I think has some really good songs and not that bad of an album but it's different. It's a little more pop. It's on the brighter side versus their kind of darker side of the mm -hmm. other albums but I thought it was really good. I like them all. It just kind of depends on the At mood. At that age you know they're just going to be aping their uh, heroes. Um, but after enough playing and, and playing as a band, you start to just learn and grow. And it's just kind of cool to go on that journey with them to see these albums take shape and then kind of discover themselves in the process. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting. Without discussing a specific song, what's one thing you learned about Silverchair? And we kind of discussed a little bit of it already in the preparation of the podcast that kind of jumps out at you. If there was just one thing, Ben. To me, what I thought was really interesting was kind of going back a little bit to what I said is just the depth of the music that they went through. Freak Show is where 
really kind of how they were at that time. You know, they did Frog Stomp in nine days. And then later on, they brought in the different string. I just forgot his name. John Daniels, right? No, Daniel Johns. When he went off and did, dis, was it Disassociates in 2004? That really showed what Young Modern actually was. And you kind of see his view of how we wanted to do music later on. Yeah, for me, I never realized the pain caused by the heavy criticism from the media. You know, they called them, what, Nirvana in pajamas when they first started. And They're, Silver High Chair. Yeah, Silver High Chair. I never heard that one. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Not Soundgarden, but Kindergarten. Oh, did I? I didn't hear that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, all the pain that David Johns went through, it led to anorexia for him. Mm -hmm. Later, depression, and he really became dependent on medication for that. Mm -hmm. And then even later, the uh, crippling arthritis. So I didn't know about all that pain that he was dealing with. Even the lawsuit that they had to deal with early on. These are 15-year-olds, and they're getting these lawsuits, Mm -hmm. and they're getting yelled at calling them all these names that, that Jake remembers because Jake was the one who did it. I was, so man. anybody was... from Australia, Jacob Newkirk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, Jake, anything for you? To your point, I remember hearing that he had anorexia around the time, but I had stopped paying attention to the band and really didn't care as much. But I didn't know about the arthritis stuff when I was kind of researching this. That was a new discovery to me. But I think the biggest thing I learned from all this was just the capability of the band. I didn't realize that they actually had substance, that they grew and honed their craft and were able to write some really impressive songs. Because I just always kind of put them away in this category of of just copycats. That was uh, impressed. One of the things that I saw was he didn't actually like writing lyrics. He loved like writing the all the music and everything, and then he would come back and do lyrics. And yeah, I think Diorama. He was the first time he really started going straight at the lyrics first. Maybe a little bit of Neon Ballroom, but for a while he used to just come up with not even write lyrics for it. He just come up with phrases that he wanted to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you saw that, like with Freak or a couple of other songs early on, some of the lyrics are kind of all over the place. Anyway, we have highballs that we're drinking, which is ginger ale, some bitters, and Jake found Rebel Yell. We were looking for that for a while. I guess the embargo has been lifted, (laughs) and they didn't change the name yet, so it's still Rebel Yell. It might be just an old bottle on the shelf they didn't pull. Yeah, that's probably (laughs) it. So we found it. So we're having Rebel Bull. Rebel Bull? Rebel Bull. Rebel Bull gives you wings. Rebel Bull gives you (laughs) you imaginary. This is actually how they make Red Bull, by the way. That's right. (laughs) Rebel Yell highball which is, as I said, and we're also having it straight. Mm. I had two beers left and one seltzer. So the guys took the beers. I'm drinking White Claw. Whatever, you picked that hard first. Hard seltzer lemon. <laughs> yeah. But I've already had two highballs, in all fairness. So. All right. um, you guys still Whatever. have to catch up. I still up. love those seltzers. I, I don't mind it. It doesn't but, feel, it doesn't, those seltzers don't feel like you're drinking alcohol at yeah. all. Nope. I like if, those. It uh, feels like a LaCroix or the something. The natural light ones are really good and cheaper. Really? Six percent. There, yeah. Naturally, they have, they have a, a peach something or other, and then a cranberry one. Okay. Good. Cool. So, what what beer do you have? Um, okay, so I think we both have one from a local brewery, Telco. Never been there, but um, I had one the other day and it was really good. So this one is a stout it's called Muck Out Stout. And it's a seven point four percent. So uh, by the time I get to it, I might need to slow down. And Ben, what's yours? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Telcro Brewery, um, Royalty Red, so it was an Irish red ale. That was so, good. I had one that the other day. It was good. Yeah, I did too. It's only five and a half percent. We'll, we'll slosh our beers together. And <laughs> there you no, go. That, <laughs> invent a new one. No, that just means he has to have another shot at Rebel Yell before the night's over. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs we will share under 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight. Then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. 
This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to Silverchair. We have created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. We're simplifying the cast today instead of each person reviewing the top 12 like we've done historically. Over the last couple casts, we're trying to fine tune this and we finally got there, I think, last week with the doors. Uh, this We're going to do just the top 12 silver chair songs from 12 to 1 plus... We're still going to do a song of note, which is a song that is not necessarily the 13th song that we like. It's just a song that's interesting that shouldn't be in the 12 that we need to discuss. It's called the song of note. So, Jake, what's your song of note? I went with the song. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah instead of uh, whatever. <laughs> that I wanted to keep in my dozen, but I kind of just slid it just on the outside of it for one reason. But I, I went with petrol and chlorine. As much as I really like the song... It was a cool venture of like experimentation using like the Indian sounds with the tabla and the, the sitar in there. Kind of reminds me of when Zeppelin kind of ventured into that space, but it was ambitious. How do I say it? It's, they, they took a generic song and added some cool layers so that it would pass as better than it was. Well, they actually brought Indian players in to help out. Totally. Yeah. But I, so, I mean, I think without that, I don't know if the song would have been as solid and as good. It felt like you can, you can tell they're trying to discover themselves instead of rewriting the same tired song. Although it's, I, I like the song. It's funny. It's one of the, it's it one the of like two songs that they kind of kept in their playlist for a while when they were playing out. Mm. One thing about Silverchair I found is if you watch their live concerts, how much they, as soon as they're done with an album, they forget about most of it. Especially yeah. if you want to hear another Frog song or two, you need a cover band to play it because they're not going to play any of it. Anyway, let's listen to Petrol and Chlorine off a of Freak Show. Nice acoustic tune. Let's listen. Okay, and that's Petrol and Clarine. Jake's song of note. I'm going to jump. I normally would go to Ben, but I'm just going to go to mine first because <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> My song of note's off an album called Diorama, and it's a song that I saw a video for, and it's a live version of this song. And it's after all these years. It's a piano song. I just love the vocal melodies in it and the unexpected directions that they kind of take. When you listen to a song and you expect it to go a certain way, and you're given some other direction, especially with the vocal melody, just made it so interesting to me. The Queen sort of vibe he's trying to get with this thing. The only downside to this track, seriously, it's one of those hidden track songs. It's like a two minute silence with just a little bit of piano playing at the end. So there's no real payoff at all. Mm. There's nothing, they, there's no reason for that little lick to be hidden. My notes for that song say, meh. Meh. Oh, <laughs> you're wrong. This, is, this one's amazing. I could be wrong. Let's hear it again. Okay, let's listen. Here's the song of note, even though it's just mine. After all these years over diorama, let's go. after all these years off a diorama this is the album that he wrote mostly on piano huh like when he yeah 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 so that makes sense 
I still don't think I like that. No, it's okay. <laughs> I think the live version's even better. So if you take Probably, the live yeah. version out, yeah, that's we that said was the one I kind times. of listened mm. to over and over and over again, and then I got I fell in love with it. So yeah, then I like the the album version too. That's so. funny because a lot of these songs I went and checked out live versions, and I didn't like them as much. Um, but maybe it's just your first exposure, like whichever is the first version here is going to be the better. I don't know. No, I hear you. No, I got to say, I actually like that one. It wasn't on my list at all, but Diorama, I thought that was a pretty good album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked it. The crazy thing about Diorama generally is that he was walking in to the Diorama sessions, getting ready to go. He had eight songs in the bank and he's walking in and he's like, I don't like these songs. Yeah. And so he took a Ditch. tape, his tape, he had like, I guess he said it's one of like a thick tape. It's not like a cassette tape. It's a tape of all this. And he raced the whole thing. He sat two and a half hours and watched them zero it all out. Yeah. So he could start over. I remember reading that and be like, what? I wonder what is on there. Sometimes you're critical of your own stuff, but others would be like, oh my God, this is like what it made you all. It's actually a great song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty brave. Weird. All right. Ben, what's your song of note? So my song of note, and I actually went off a diorama as well, and this is one I actually found in my head singing around as I walked around the house. The song is World Upon Your Shoulders. I thought it was a good song that they, they put together. Yeah, I think the bridge for this one gave me kind of a carnival vibe. <laughs> kind of like that. And then it gets a little bit heavier at a certain point. It's like a momentum swing that happens in the solo section area. Right, and it shows, uh, again, it shows more depth of kind of how they were in their, in their later albums. And the harmonies in this song are pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My notes say, uh, meh, okay, yeah. but it has an okay. A little better than the last one. Uh, oh, okay. he's got an okay out of Jake. <laughs> meh, okay. So he was changing his mind. He was indecided whether it was all right or meh. Okay, let's <laughs> listen to World Upon Your Shoulders off a diorama by Silver Chair. That's the world upon your shoulders. Ben's song of note. I did right like that, that vocal drop in the burn part at the end. That was yep. really good. Yeah, he's got some nice vocal, and when, especially his uh, falsetto. Falsetto, yeah. It's actually developed quite a bit. That's what I was surprised uh, also to watch the growth of his vocals because he had really rich vocal before just as a kid, but just to hear how it kind of grows and builds. It's got to be harder to play live. Yeah. You know, it's fun to do in the studio. Right, but you got to be able to replicate that again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a, almost a different album, almost a different yeah. band completely, that Feels album. That way. Let's just jump into the the 12. Number 12, you idiots didn't have on your list. Hmm. At all. Huh? Here we At go. All. Number 12. Uh, there we go. We'll start right there. We'll start right there. This was my number four. Oh. And it's off of Neon Ballroom, which I said I really like that album. Yep. The anthem for the year 2000. Hmm. Because I like that stadium rock type of feel. The feedback into those big drums, the growling guitar, the tremolo of the guitar, I really love. Very anthemic. Almost got a little feel of Skid Row, actually. <laughs> That's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> but I love the great vocal melody. I love the chorus and the full start of the first chorus. You're expecting that big explosion. And they just give you a little taste. And then they come through and they hit mm. you later. They actually had a, a whole choir behind them even though it was completely down in the mix. This was inspired by a dream. Daniel Johns had this dream. He's playing this big, I'm thinking like Wembley or some like massive stadium. All of his amps explode. So he's there on stage with no amplification for his guitar. The whole audience claps in rhythm. Then in his dream, he starts singing this song. And then he wakes up and he writes this song. 
Weird. Interesting. Yeah. He was right after it. So I uh, thought it was just marketing. Like he tried to write it in 1999 for the year coming up so that it hopefully it would get all this airplay parties and stuff. That's what I thought he was doing. I, I'm right there with you, Jake. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought too. He says the chorus is sort of sar- sarcastic in, in, yeah. in his, his play of it. But if you listen to the lyrics, you could add 2020 to that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't think or all the crazy stuff that's happened and uh, mm. I love the down almost a whisper in the vocal in the bridge this is one of those songs I couldn't get out of my head I was shocked that nobody even had it at like number 12 or something but I think why I felt like it wasn't that strong because it sounds like kind of that immature sound that they came from and I remember this being the single when I listened back I was like oh yeah I remember this song kind of happening around that time but yeah it just it didn't impress me enough okay yeah, it was one that I listened to, but yeah, I'm with you, Jake. It didn't really impress me to make it. So You're both wrong. Here we go. <laughs> Here we anyway, go, number 12. Let's mm-hmm. listen. Uh, anthem for the year 2000 off of Neon Ballroom, the number 12 song by Silverchair. Let's go. That's year 2000. I heard the, the choir that time. Yeah, that sounded cool. They should have brought that up in the mix. Yeah, it's funny. When you're listening to things, we're, we're all in headphones, decent headphones. So when you hear it, you can hear a lot more than you normally can hear mm-hmm. your iPhone. <laughs> right? So you hear all of the actual choir and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's a it's a good song. And I love he was getting into the whisper part where I cut it. Obviously, you guys are just going to hear the in the year 2000 stuff. But... The whisper part's awesome, and the breakdown, and he actually is very experimental, even in some of the sounds in that, which he thinks is a straight-ahead rock song anthem. But if you look at some of, he's introducing some of the, like, tweaks of more modern music in there, with, you know, like a little, you know, synth run, or a, yeah. like a Moog and playing some, around with that. Some backwards guitar, and just different things. Like yeah. I said, you, mm-hmm. you can always just track that the, the growth. You're like growing up with the band and seeing them maturing. Sure. Yep. Okay, so let's move to number 11, which only one person had on their list, and it was their number four. And Jake, your number four, The Lever. You guys didn't have The Lever? Diorama was not on anybody else's list you know why because i'm a sucker for those mid-tempo heavy groove songs it's really weird in talking about how i learned a lot about the band this diorama album some of the songs on here were some of my favorites now and i was surprised because i didn't think that would happen in any of the later ones i think it's because they really still had some really heavy tunes mixed in there and and it kind of showed that they were they were growing putting their feelers out and they're spreading out and they still did what they did before, but we're doing it better, but also being a little more melodic and dynamic and stuff. So with this song in particular, like I said, the mid-tempo heavy grooves, I'm just a sucker for already. There's like a solid breakdown with some really cool parts in there with horns and stuff that follow and kind of build the song. I love the super heavy riffing at like, I think it's like the three minute and 20 second mark plays out for the ending. Yeah, but. there's some cool stuff. And it's really interesting to hear that heavy guitar with some strings. Mm-hmm. and with that whole package that he kind of throws together yeah, in that because they've been trying to do that a lot you could tell like he was trying to bring in a lot of the strings and i it, like i said early on it seemed like a little forced and wasn't blending well but right around this time i think even before that it was starting to like work and and you could tell well, it was they're coming all together yeah. yeah yep and i i love like you said the riff in that bridge that he does yeah it's just so awesome super heavy yeah so 
Any thoughts? I really liked how they came together with the different, uh, you got strings and, and different instruments and stuff inside there. There was quite a few songs I wanted to pick. Didn't do all of them, but uh, yeah, I thought it was great. <laughs> all right, let's listen to The Lever. Off of... It's not like he's singing The Lever, though, in his oh, little Australian Oh, that's right. Accent. I'm sorry. I have to, how do I say it again? The like, Lever. I have, to, I have to start with Rise of Blades. <laughs> Rise of Blades. The Lever. There we go. All right. <laughs> off The Lever, off of, <laughs> off of Diorama. <laughs> That's not a lever. <laughs> this is a lever. How are you doing a good accent, finally? I don't know. The razor blades kind of helped me there. Yeah. All right. I changed. I ruined it at the end there. My last syllable. All right. Let's listen to the lever off of Diorama. Number 11. Let's listen. <laughs> Okay, that was number 11, The Lever, off of Diorama. Cool. So, number 10, just to keep Ben in the show here, uh, <laughs> your number four was not picked by anybody <laughs> but yours, Slave, <laughs> off of Freak Show, which is a good song. I like it a lot. Our number 10 song is Slave. So, I like the song, one of us in Drop D. I always like Drop D songs. It's yep. one of the things I've always played. I play guitar as well, and... Just loved uh, dropping it down to there and a, a good opening. It almost sounds like an augmented when you have that drop D when you when he's yeah. doing that change in it. It's like evil almost. Right, it's that little bit of a darker, heavier yeah, sound to it. Yeah, yep. But now it's pretty neat. And then uh, you know you got the bass halfway through, um, and I thought it was just a good grunge song. You know that was kind of what they were doing at that time. And just how it starts and, and builds up. I think it's a great. I really song. didn't see it as like pure grunge, but I I did see like some influences or maybe like a Soundgarden type of feel. But I also saw like the new metal like helmet in there. Oh, interesting. See, there had some influence there. I kind of, I kind of heard that. And I was a big helmet fan, so yeah. Uh, there was another song I forget what it is. I was like, oh my god, it's a helmet song that they just took off. I love the stutter in the intro in the song. It's great, and the riff in the beginning. Obviously, Metal Edge. I kind of like the song anyway. This was one of the ones that was in my top twenty. It speeds up before the final riff, mm -hmm. but then it snaps right back to the BPM. I was pretty impressed by that. My problem with this song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and I think it was like around 1994, uh, a, a super group came out called Mad Season with Lane Staley from Alice singing, you know, Pearl Jam, all that. And there's a song Lane called, who? What? I don't, there's a song called I Don't Know Anything, and it's that exact riff. The main riff in the song is that riff. So I don't know if it's intentional. It had to be because I'm sure they're paying attention to all these guys. But if yeah. you listen to I Don't Know Anything, um, it's it's that same, same riffing. Okay. Yeah, I think... I mean, they took that in like... Did some other things around it, but um, I think it's plagiarism. My, yeah, <laughs> I, I do agree. I think Mad Season stole this from, from the yeah, boys. In '94, they yes, went they to. The, yeah. This was originally supposed to be on their original EP that they shared with people, oh. and then uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 All right, well, let's listen to Slave and try to listen. See if that if Jake has something, something there, and then play. I don't know anything right. Yeah, well, maybe we will. You always make me look up stuff. All right. Do the comparison. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I guess we're going to compare the riff in I Don't Know Anything, which is the main riff for the song, to the verse riff for Slave. We'll start with I Don't Know Anything by Mad Season. We'll play 10 seconds of each. Okay, here we go. And here's the section from Slave by Silver Chair. Mm -hmm. 
Same song. Yep. A little slower, <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, I, I think the rhythm's the same. I mean, but you can probably say that's like, well, that Mad Season's kind of ripping off Black Sabbath. But you're talking about the chord changes? The actual riff itself. The, I the mean, there's a little bit of like a hammer on right in the intro, but then he just goes that little like the neat, neat, no, 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 neat, neat. It just does that same thing. Granted, it is similar. That riff was, I think, lifted there. But even in that little riff part, which is a really small percentage of that song, the last chord changes every time they go through it while the Mad Seasons doesn't. I don't know. As a drummer, I can see it being rhythmically the same. And it sounds very similar too. So I get it. It's interesting with them because they have a lot of songs where they sound like other bands, right? That are a little bit bigger than Silverchair. And they listen to the same types of, you know, the influence, I should say, was some of the same types of band like Black Sabbath and so forth. So did they get it off of them or mm. because they were all influenced by the same bands back then? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Let's listen to uh, Slave, our number 10. Number 10, Slave. I really like that song. Though. I don't know if I'm the only one. I think it sounds like identical, but... Um, I don't necessarily think this whole song was a ripoff of that song. Not the whole song, just that riff. Because, but it's not. It's like a part of their riff as opposed to the whole main riff of the mm -hmm. song. Yeah, I think even like if you talk to the guys from... So Richard, mostly Daniel, who wrote most of this stuff. Mm -hmm. He was saying that he wrote the music he liked for the first two albums. So maybe that was a call of that. That's why I think Neon Ballroom and diorama are so good that's when he just started writing about what was from him not really taking these other influences in yeah to the same degree right so but it's still number 10 really good and our number nine song see that little transition there <laughs> got some man skills here i'll tell you i worked years and years and years I tried for years. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I, don't, I know I got to do a transition right now. No, but uh, number nine, we actually had two people who liked the song and one person who didn't. Uh. And Jake, you're the person who didn't. Bastard. Ooh, which one? Let's <laughs> see. Although how this is going, that doesn't surprise me right now. <laughs> this is the ripoff. Oh, no, I'm kidding. This is actually off of Young Modern. Oh, yeah, I didn't pick any Young Modern. Yeah, this is oh, my was, number was 11 and Ben's number nine, Reflections of a Sound. I just really like this tune, but Ben, since you have the higher rank in your list, why don't you start with it? This is our number nine. Young Modern is just kind of a different album altogether. I actually like quite a few songs off of that. So Reflection of a Sound, it's a simple song, but I just like how it plays together. Lighter, more poppy. Just really like on, on how it plays. Just Yeah, the musical arrangement and the production on this track is really top notch. The vocal range is really a showcase for him on this. The bridge is almost like a queen. You hear the Freddie Mercury influence in it. Yep. This is not a rip, but it reminded me a little Coldplay, but it also reminded me a little of the Newsboys. Hmm. Just a little bit. And they're an Australian, uh, I think they think they're an Australian Christian band, actually. So that's probably, maybe they got influence from Silverchair, as opposed to the other way around. And yep. it almost has a Beatles vibe, which maybe <laughs> that would be why Jake Yeah, I could hear a lot of that in, in the album. I think there's even a, a video where it looks like a total Beatles. I, remember, I don't remember what song it was, but it looks like a something that they lifted off the Beatles kind of imagery. It could be on, the, on the video. I don't remember yeah. the video of this one. And I think with this album, and I think even some of them before, but this one in particular, it just sounds, the, vocally really sound like that Panic at the Disco 
singer. Well, he was he was moving in the more modern direction, and this mm. is 2007, so right. it, you know, it would make sense. It so he was me, doing yeah. that, and he actually went in the total pop direction. If you hear yeah, his, his solo stuff, his solo yeah. stuff mm. is yeah. very it's too poppy for me. Yeah, but you saw where it was going, and he's like, okay, I want to try and keep to go in that direction but Silverchair yeah. I can't see bringing Silverchair along there for that ride. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that creative differences is kind of what stopped because you saw the the direction Daniel Johns was going mm-hmm. with this. You listen to Silverchair and it's this is almost a different album altogether. Right. Yeah mm-hmm. from Diorama on Daniel Johns wrote everything. There was no inclusion really from the other band members. Yeah. The other band members were able to take his vision and do something yeah, and with it. Put their thing over and it. You know, even some of the things that Ben does, the drummer, he kind of plays a lot of stuff louder than you think that it should be played and with more power, but it actually works quite well to kind of give them their sound, even in the newer albums. So, uh, Reflection of the Sound is just a great tune. I really love it. This is Reflections of a Sound, the number nine from Silverchair. I want to keep listening, but that's like, I love the tension in that. It's so good. He's got such a good vocal range. I think oh it's just goodness. a good song. Mm. See, it has to be number nine. That's what I had. <laughs> I know. You <laughs> nailed it. Look at that. You absolutely nailed it. Now let's get Jake pissed. Let's do it. All right. Grr. Number eight was my number probably 13 song, which dropped off my list. And Ben did not have it on his list at all. Oh. But Jake had it as his number one song. Oh boy! Yeah. Okay. I can I can defend this. Across the night off of Diorama. Yeah. So as I'm this going is the through, eight song I'm going through the catalog of this band, and this song stops my attention. I'm focused on the song because I'm like, wow. At, at first, it was a little bit off-putting, just like this last song you made me listen to. <laughs> but it's just because it was the initial kind of the pop sensibility. I think this song sets a bar for them and their peers it's so well done great example of kind of them arriving i think that's what it is arriving at their own like this one i really was like whoa this is a different silver chair they showed up and proved their ability to write a well-composed dynamic popular rock song and lyrically really good too i like what he said i don't want to be lonely i just want to be alone there's a lot of parts of this song it just takes you on a ride and i was like wow i think this is just an important song no that's good it kind of flew in and out of my list Mm, okay so it wasn't something that I can't that see being there. there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, it actually was kind of interesting. He wasn't sleeping well at all. In fact, he was pretty much having insomnia, and he thought the moon was sort of stealing his sleep in his mind. So he decided to write this, and it took him from 11 p.m. at night to 7 a.m. in the morning to write the song because he was not sleeping uh, anyway. Hmm. And he wanted the song to sound like a Hollywood musical. He even throws around yeah, it feels that way. influences by like Judy Garland. He goes, even though that makes me sound gay, I'm gonna own it because that's the truth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he loved hey, the Judy Garland. And uh, the vocal line reminds me of Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Mm. But you're right. This album was a big shift for them. It's a hard move to a progressive pop band. Prog pop. Huh? That's, yeah. some, that's a new genre. Yeah. That's how we do here. Create new genres. I like that. Coin that phrase. It's interesting. The one line in here that kind of jumped out at me is he hugged a man's arthritic shoulder. And this mm. is before he had arthritis. Mm. He got arthritis after, after this, this album came yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that he threw that in there before and came to fruition prophetic there actually well you're right yeah that's prophetic (laughs) well before we move on ben anything else about across the night 
It should have uh, been your number one, right? Well, <laughs> I can see why you like that. Definitely wouldn't have put it as number one since it didn't even make my list. <laughs> to me, that fits more in the young modern type of album than it does for Diorama, but he does a good job with putting it together. Yeah. So Across the Night, this is the number eight song off of Diorama. I think it would have got a little bit more play if he just called it Ode to Judy Garland. <laughs> <laughs> that would have done it. <laughs> no, actually, I like this one quite a bit. Now, we'll move to number seven. Actually, two people had this on this list. This was my number two and Jake's number eight. And Ben oh. left it off some reason. It's a Frog Stomp song. Mm. It's our first Frog Stomp. Uh, Israel's son. Yeah. I love that growling bass in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that fuzzy bass intro is oh, really good. And the lyrics are ridiculously dark. But I always loved the feeling of the song. I never really paid attention to the actual lyrics. I love the aggression at the end of the song as that BPM picks up. It's so yeah. good. Uh, it's about execution that Daniel saw on TV. He had a dream about it and wrote the song. And this was the song they were sued about for allegedly causing two kids to kill one of their parents and their brother. They tried to sue Silverchair because of it. Because of the song made them do it. It put the band through a lot and obviously got thrown out of court. But still, you're talking about suing some 15-year-olds. Yeah. And having that impact on something that I'm writing or something that I'm feeling. Yeah. And I'm putting it out there. And now people are suing me because I'm writing something that's dark. Well, what's Mm -hmm. going on? And, Mm -hmm. And that impact was huge. Jake. Yeah, like you called out the bass intro, just the growl, that fuzz, it's just really good. I love the drudgy tempo. I think this shows kind of the rich vocal of Daniels, especially considering how young he is. You mentioned the, the tempo picks up at the end, but I think my only criticism is by that time, I think the song got kind of tired uh, at the same time. They were young, so they wrote something pretty good. If they had written the song later on, maybe it would have even been even better, you know? Right, it would have had a lot more keyboards and strings in it, but yeah, and, and horns. And, <laughs> but yeah, it was a song that was close to mine. Definitely understand why it made it where it was. And as we've all said, the bass sounds great, and it's really, really dark. So I can totally yep. get mm-hmm. why somebody's like, "Yeah, this is just way too dark for me." Because it's talking about I can't find you. I'm going to kill your friends instead, and yeah. all this stuff. It's it's really dark. Uh, anyway, let's listen to the number seven song, "Israel's Son," off of Frog Stomp. Okay, that's our number seven, Israel's Son. All right, so we're going to move to number six off a Freak Show, the title track called Freak. This was my number three and Ben's number five and Jake's number nil. (laughs) The video for this is kind of interesting. They were sweating for old people to capture their sweat. the youth stuff. But it's interesting that the woman got to the point of beauty, and then she became an alien yeah, in the I video. Yeah, I didn't get where that was going. <laughs> I love the tone <clears throat> of the guitar. Great intro, vocal delivery. If only I could be as cool as you. Great. Although, this is not an insult, but Freak reminded me a little bit of Puddle of Mud. Yeah, there's a couple uh, yeah. songs I almost said that. Yeah, and it, it has that sort of feel. But they were coming up right at the same time. 
So I'm not yeah, shocked. Post grunge. There's a little Nirvana vibe in this. Yeah, Bleach for sure. Yeah, that's where I saw mm-hmm. it, and I really, really like this tune. So Ben, uh, yeah, uh, again, it was my number five. So definitely liked how this was. Um, to me, it kind of showed who they were at this time. Freak show really hit it for me. It's much more metal. Like you said, I just love to hear the guitar in this. In the video, there, there's a really weird guitar that he was playing, and I found out that's one of 400 of those. Like, it's an ultra-rare guitar that he had. It was It's a weird shape. Jackson Roswell Rhodes Aluminum. Oh, okay. Is. But you're the guitar guy. But I, I was like, what is that thing? that specific yeah. nuance of that one. I know that he was speaking to PRS guitars later. PRS, I think for Freak Show, he had a, a PRS Custom 22. Nice. The weird thing about Silverchair, let's just step back for a second. Most bands, when they put out their first album, they have to tour on the road catch on drudgery and all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. boom won the contest in the studio hits right. and they're at you know platinum status almost or gold mm-hmm. at least in the u.s <laughs> right and they're in Australia yeah, bands, right and all of a sudden they just like hit it like boom right off the bat you, they didn't have to suffer with bad gear for a while yeah that's a good point because i remember looking at them and and that was where my bitterness and jealousy came from because i'm the same age as these guys and when it came i was like i didn't have my own drum set yet but i was just like watching these guys already being on mtv so but you're pretty good with that bongo (laughs) yeah they they did you know they won won the contest in you know 94 with uh the song and but they were playing since they were 12 years old Mm. I've been playing around since I was 12. No, I forget sorry. what the what they yeah, called have. themselves back then, but that's why I think um, you know they they were ready for for when they won that contest and yeah, they were probably doing right small little shows here and there just around their local community. It's interesting so they changed their name after it, you know. Yeah, what, what, do you remember what their name? I don't was? remember what the name was before. Innocent criminals. Innocent yeah. criminals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's criminals. stupid. I mean, Silverchair is stupid, well, that, dude. But... <laughs> well, that, it is better than innocent criminals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why it kind of stood out. It was like, no, Silverchair. Okay, yeah. it was probably a A and R guy. Well, it actually came from uh, C.S. Lewis is actually where they got Silverchair from. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, tell me. It came from C.S. Lewis, but I didn't write down which which book it actually came from. Do you have it there? I'll look it up. Yeah, actually, the Silverchair was the fourth published of seven novels from the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh. It was called the Silverchair. Oh, it was the actual book. Okay. Okay. Cool. There we go. Wow. I didn't know that. Or you know, <laughs> the star can look rough. This Silverchair moment is sponsored by the letter S. All right, let's listen to Freak off a of Freak Show, the number six song on the countdown. Nelson Ross. Oh, Beavis is here. <laughs> Nelson Ross. Nelson. Great guitar. Work. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's pretty good. I, I was, I, I was imagining what they would say, you know, because they probably would have been too complimentary. Right. Was there? I think there was a Beavis and Butthead where they they yeah, probably yeah, saw a silver chair episode or video. Oh, was it really? Kind of I feel like it would have been. It was like it was kind of like Jake. He was like. Yeah. 
was talking. Yeah. It was all at the same time, was it? Well, they just started talking about different stuff over it. They weren't talking anything specifically about Silver Chair. I think this song is highly derivative. And he's starting to Oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. All right, uh, that was Freak. That was our number six. Uh, the number five song is off of Neon Ballroom. I did not have this on my list. Oh. Jake's number five. And oh, good. Ben's number two of Motion Sickness off of Neon Ballroom. Ben, this is your number two. Go for it. This was actually one of the first songs I put on the list. As I was just sitting there listening to all their different albums, this is a song that really just kind of stuck with me. And I like the strings that they have inside there. Um, it's a good buildup of the song. I think they just did a great job. It's a good album that it's on. Yeah, Half It was my number two. I like this song, I think, for the same reasons I was I was into Across the Night. There was a, an album later, you know, where they right. kind of developed. But but this was like the, the very first time we're like, whoa, who, who are these guys? This is something different. Um, so it's a much more mature, rounded sound as a band. Mm. But it stood out to me when I first heard it and was super impressed. The same as you. So many parts of the song and it takes you on a journey. And I love the strength and the piano and it. It's just, it's really cool. And the piano just kind of, it fits, but it doesn't too. It's really weird how it's placed in the song. Uh, they pulled this piano player in who's known for playing manic parts and he just let him loose on it. Mm. And, and besides how cool that sounds and his voice, we talked about falsetto before. But this is the first instance, this and Anna's song, I guess, on Neon Ballroom, where he's actually tried it. Before, in Freak Show and Frog Stomp, no, didn't mm -hmm. try it. Mm -mm. He wanted to be metal, and right, how right. can you be rock if you are doing a falsetto? But once again, Neon Ballroom was kind of the seminal album, yeah. I think, that kind of birthed Diorama, which is an amazing album, sure. too. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Which is, I'm shocked that I was saying, because I wouldn't have said that before Same. I started this. Yeah, right here. But I really love Diorama. Uh, and Daniel John said, it's about fighting against the need to get some sort of medication and trying to pretend that you've had a normal state of mind when you know that you really haven't. It's he, a well-titled song for that reason. It's, you he, tell. Always, yep. he always said that singing songs from this album emotionally taxes him every time. Hmm. It's like reliving the worst memories of my entire life oh, wow. every time I sing it. So <laughs> let's listen to Emotion Sickness off of Neon Ballroom, the number five song by Silverchair ever. tell you the piano makes that song yeah so no, good. It's, it's really good it's like you said it's a little out of place but yeah. it really it fits, fits with that there, song yeah. i think mm. it's great I, I love it yeah no it's a good song obviously it's the number five song overall so it has to be good we're moving up now to the top of the list moving right along uh, into my number one and jake's number seven which is our number four overall oh off of frog stomp one of my favorite song off of frog stomp that's a good one Pure Massacre. Mm -hmm. And Ben had it off his list, but that's okay. Oh, really? The clean guitar leading off the song pulls you in. When the heavy guitar comes in, it hits you like a brick. I love it. Uh, the riff that repeats after Pure Massacre, although played under a lot of the song, its emphasis here just stands out and kind of lifts the song up. It's so angsty. It's all about the Bosnian War, which I didn't mm -hmm. know before this. Me either. Uh, he goes, it's a pretty stupid war like that. This is Daniel John speaking. Or maybe I, I have to do razor blades, right? <laughs> it's a pretty stupid wall like that. It's 
it seems to be the right thing to write about <laughs> rather than the usual girls or whatever. It took about an hour, half an hour, but it came straight to my head. So that's what Daniel Chan said. <laughs> sounds just like him. It sounds absolutely nothing Probably. like him. I apologize, Daniel. Uh, but I love the song. Through this whole process, just generally, I became a much deeper Silverchair fan than I ever, ever was. Mm. But Pure Massacre is still my favorite, but it's our number four song overall. So it's Jake? funny because this was my number one before I started listening to some of the other albums. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was kind of like, yeah, this, I felt it was a more solid song than Tomorrow, even though that's what people hear mostly. But I was just, it was high up on my list. Um, that bass line drives it, the simple chorus, but it's really singable, I think is another catchy part. I like that cool like tribal thing at the end that Ben does on the drums, but it, it was high on my list and it kind of settled. So Ben, why on earth did you keep this off your list? What the heck? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it, it's actually a very good question. It was right there on the edge for sure. I love the guitar of the song. Uh, they do a good job with that. Uh, so Pure Massacre, let's take a listen. The number four song of all time from... <laughs> From Silverchair off of Frog Stomp. That sounds like a Beavis and Butthead activity, by the way. Yeah, like Frog Baseball and Frog Stomp. (laughs) I was going around and we had nothing to do, so we're sitting around doing nothing. And I saw that frog and I said, let's do some Frog Stomp. (laughs) And me and Jethro had years and years and years of fun. Let me tell you that right now. I don't care who you are, that Frog Stomp is fun. Did you ever find out why they even named it that way? Why they named it Frog Stomp? This is Daniel Jones. Rise up lights. <laughs> rise up lights. Rise up, rise up lights. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was a guy from our, our record company's house one night, and I was looking through his CDs because he's got a really good collection. Yeah. And I found this 60s pop collection record. I was going through. <laughs> Why do you have this? And I looked at the back, and the song that some guy wrote was called Frog Stomp. And I said, hey, that's a pretty good name. So I rang up Ben and Chris, and we just thought it was really funny, and we used it for the album. And I apologize to every Australian out there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Every time I've had a, I've met an Australian, any time in my life, some of the funnest people in yeah, the world. That's and true. Just at a, I remember working on a gig with one of them, and came back, and we just hung out at the pub, and I could hardly keep up with him. He was was pretty pretty good drinker. <laughs> That was great. All right, let's listen to Pure Massacre off of Frog Stomp, the number four. I have no idea why I used that. That's kind of fun. All right. I think that Rebel Yell is getting me. That is Pure Massacre off of Frog Stomp, the number four song. So number three is off of Diorama. And this is one that I did not have on my list, which was really good. And it was a tie between you two. You guys matched. Oh. It was your number three. Yeah, this is wow. a great song. One I was going to be mad if the song wasn't on here. Yeah, it's on there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a number three overall. You guys tied a three, and you it's both, number you three. You picked three, too? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, look at that. High and five. it is number three. You actually picked the actual <laughs> correct number. See, we know, so what, we know what we're doing. Yeah. 
It's still the number three song by the Dirty Dozen podcast. So there we go. Look at that. So I am not wrong. You don't get credit. I know. I don't. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, this is I a credit at picking good co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> True. Go ahead. I can talk about it. No, I don't think that's obviously really one of my, my highly favorite songs. But like I said, I'm a sucker for the heavy groove, mid-tempo. Mm-hmm. That's the way to my heart. But I think this song shines vocally. You can really hear Daniel push the emotion. There's something really like angsty in his vocals that I really, really like. There's a cool, great big chorus. Honestly, a part of me really wanted this to be my number one, and, and I didn't put it there. But it's I really like this song. One-way mule, right? Yep. Let's make sure we're talking about the same song. We yeah. are. We are. That's right. I don't think you actually said the title. Yeah, I think I did, didn't I? We'll, we'll figure it out in post. Okay. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> it's one-way mule. One-way mule. As opposed to one-way horse, which didn't make the list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> I love the guitar in the beginning, the different riffs throughout the song. A little bit different. I, I just think this album is a great album anyways. That's one of the things I like about this album is it has some of that old, but it's yeah. more mature. Right. There's maturity to it, to That's the like whole insane. album. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it comes back to pop a little bit at, at some points in it. This yeah. song, you think it's poppy? Uh, no, I think there's points in it that's pop. Oh. There's an overall rock feel to this track, generally. Mm. But there's still a little bit of poppiness I get <clears> in it. But don't mind me. The number three overall song is One Way Mule off of Diorama. Diorama. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> it's the right number three. <laughs> context that's all i was saying yeah. <laughs> but yeah again this song i think it showcases his vocals a lot like you were saying it's truly a, a really really good song yep and it's the number three song for a reason and they play around the beat too it's a pretty straightforward song but they're like making it off in a little odd tempo if you're paying attention to that part of it i, I think ben the only person who hits harder than him is maybe bonham he just hits hard the whole time. It's just, it's you just can like tell full bone. He started to to look like Bonham. He would wear that hat and grew his mustache and everything. Mm-hmm. In the, some of those later videos, you're like, oh, yeah, you could tell you're trying to be John Bonham. Yeah, well, he's got... I mean, we all are, really, if we were going to be honest. But <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. So that was number three. Two more left. Number two is my number six and Ben's number one. It's off of Diorama. And who, number three is Diorama. Number two is Diorama. Wouldn't have thought that coming in. Huh. Without You is one of these songs that I kept coming back to. It was that earworm or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's what we used to call an oral, A-U-R-A-L, yeah. virus. <laughs> as opposed to some other oral viruses, which are much worse. Uh, but this is a good oral virus. But without you, I just kind of came back to that chorus in my head and I couldn't get away from it. I just listening through this, I'm just, I kept coming back to it. So it had to be there, but Ben, it's your number one. So you might as well leave off. Yeah. Um, I, I am a sucker for, uh, when you do drop 
D or this one I think is actually D and a half. So it's just a half step drop down. He actually down. plays this an open, not not drop, but open uh, D flat, which is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. I'm just a sucker for one of those songs and think this is great. The drums inside there uh, are great as well. And I, I just keep listening to the song over and over and over again. I think it's a fantastic job. Yeah, it's heavy into that interesting verse with melodic changes that are unexpected vocally. That and the chorus just lifts the song, as I said. It has a little taste of Matchbox 20 in there mm-hmm. in the chorus section. I know that's not necessarily a positive thing, but for me, it was that catchiness for the chorus that really just blew my mind. Jake, why, why on earth did you not have this? I, I remember liking the outro to this song a lot, um, but that's about the only thing that I think stood out to me. And I do know it was written during the uh, the Neon Ballroom session. I think it should have been on that album, right? But it was end up being on Diorama. But okay. yeah, I don't know. Let me hear it again. Okay, let's listen to Without You, the number two song by Silverchair. <laughs> Okay, and that's number two, Without You, off of Diorama. Such a great song. I love that song. There was a, an Australian band called Tonight Alive that covered this tune and sort of updated it. And it actually is pretty good. There was a tribute to Silverchair done in Australia. Oh, yeah. Called Spawn Again. Right. I heard about it. I didn't listen to any of those songs, hmm. but I, so, I knew to know about it. Uh, well, actually, let me play Without You by Tonight Alive just for a second. And it's kind of the same sort of vibe on it, but it's with the girl singer so you'll listen it's kind of interesting if you listen and you see what a lead guitarist can do for a track it's just phenomenal the, the female vocal just really works well and this is an yeah, Australian band so we're sending some love to a band that's not really known internationally but they're really good yeah. so no that was a good song I still like the uh, silver chair one better but yes you um, know with, with original right with how they played it I thought they did it was a great cover for yeah. sure all right so we're down to number one Wow. This is interesting because this is the only song that everybody had on the list, which you can imagine what it is. Oh, boy. This is number one? Yes, because it's my number eight, Ben's number seven, and Jake's number two. The fact that everybody... Number two? I would have put it lower. Really? I thought I was being criminal by putting it at two. I thought everyone else was going to put one. I was like, I guess I got it. Well, it is number one. Tomorrow is the number one song ever. By Silverchair, and it's one of the first ones that they came to town with. Mm, yeah. I, I understand why it's number one. It, Like you said, it's what they won the contest. It's the, the EP that they did, and then the, it's their number one song overall. Without Tomorrow, we are not talking about any other album. No, you, you are correct. Yep, that is for sure. And it's one of these things that always drive me crazy about Silverchair, and this is my soapbox. Here it is. <laughs> When you're a band that has massive hits and you go and start playing out, especially internationally, and you play out and you don't play those hits anymore Mm. because you want to play what's new, even though, as we've said, Diorama's an amazing album, Young Ballroom's an amazing album, Young Modern has some good songs. But if I was somebody in the U.S. who had never heard of Silverchair since Frogstomp, 
and I was going to see them, I'd expect to at least hear one song off of that album. And the fact that they won't play any of the songs on their album anymore later in the 2010s, I understand that it's not where they are now, that they've grown, that you're playing a song when you're 15. Got it. But I think what makes this, the longevity of those great bands, and I think Silverchair could have been a great band. I think Silverchair could have had you know, five or six more albums, and I think that they could have had a huge following internationally, which fell off because they decided to abandon their own material mm-hmm. because they didn't like it anymore. And trust me, Aerosmith doesn't like playing Walk This Way anymore. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you have to play some of that material. People want to hear the hits, but also give them the new stuff so that that stuff kind of sticks. So mm-hmm. that was my soapbox. All right. Yeah, with this one, it's not... It doesn't surprise me that it's number one. I was hoping it wasn't going to be, to be honest. Now, okay, how do you describe Silverchair to somebody who was alive during Frogstomp and hadn't heard from them in a while? What's the first song that they recognize? Yeah, this well, it's going to be Tomorrow, because that's the one that actually made them what they are. So, like you said, it was... Uh, Especially yeah. here in the U.S., that yeah. song is number one, it's, and it has yeah, to be number it's one. Open and, the door. And it's kind of it's yeah. as much as we want to be, you know, nose in the air. Mm-hmm. Look at diorama, or look at this, and we did. I mean, two and three were diorama, right? And you know, if you look through it, I would have been before I came into this. I would say Frog Stomp's going to be like one, two, three, four, and then it's going to be a little of this and a little yeah, of that. That's what I thought. We'll look at that in a minute. But tomorrow, what about tomorrow, Jake? It's your number two. <laughs> yeah. So go. I don't think it's their best song, and I think we all agree, but it's, but it's significant. And I think that's what you kind of said, too, of uh, we wouldn't know this band if it wasn't for this song. And that's why I had to, I, I had to put yeah, it up Yeah, the last time they there. played this song was August 1999. Oh, and, so they'd be and they were wow. to 2011. Right. Really? So there probably were some pissed off people in the, the crowds who were waiting to hear this song and, and never got to hear it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it was... My first exposure to the band, it was most people's, if not yep. everybody's mm-hmm. first exposure to the band. It's got heavy rotation, um, the video on MTV and Radio Play, won tons of awards on all the charts, and still listened to heavily today, I'm sure. So that's why it's that's right up there. Yeah, yeah a- no, I think they do a good job. As we've been talking throughout this whole time, Daniel John's just on guitar. I think he does a great job with the guitar during this song. Especially at 15. Right. You know, 15 years old and be able to win the contest. Definitely a great song for the time that it was, the middle 90s. And uh, again, he's just a very talented guitar player. So, um, he- I don't know that he was so talented at this time. He was functional. But he was a but good songwriter. You see where he was. Yeah, a great songwriter. And to be able to pull out a Tomorrow at 15, yeah. which is like yep. what yep. everybody would have wished they came out with anyway, even yep. people who were in successful bands, yep. would have loved to come out with Tomorrow. He saw a documentary about a rich guy who had to live with a homeless person for a week. Mm. And the rich guy is complaining because he just wants to get out of there. And the poor guy says, you have to wait till tomorrow. And that's where he kind of got the idea. So great song really is it's been obviously probably the most overplayed of Silverchair ever but Mm -hmm. that said there's a reason for it and it identifies it to people who don't even follow rock don't even follow anything if they were alive in 1995 they knew this song because this was number one on the progressive rock charts Mm -hmm. in the United States but this track got to 28 on the hot 100 hot 100 is pop so it hit everybody. So no matter who you are, if you listen to 
I don't know, whatever crap band is playing on the pop charts. <laughs> you heard the song, right? Like we've said, right? If you say just the name Silverchair, just the name of the band, this is the song that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, this a, is what started it all It's tomorrow, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, yep. Wait till tomorrow, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you said it just a little bit ago that without this song, there wouldn't be this band. We wouldn't be talking about it tonight without the song. Mm-hmm. All right, let's listen to the number one song by Silverchair tomorrow off of Frogstown. Let's listen. I think if Silverchair was a bunch of 25-year-olds who wrote that, nobody would have ever had a problem with them. That's just my sidebar. Hmm. Great song. Yeah, it is a great song. It's so great that in Australia, some band made a parody of this album. Oh, it's horrible. And it's the worst parody yeah. I've ever, ever heard. I accidentally heard this and I was like, is this for real? And it actually charted in Australia. That's how popular these guys were. Okay. Silver chair, not these no, other yeah. silver pram who did frog stamp. Yeah. Right. Like they pretty much ripped off the whole album, but they tried to make their own parodies of it. Think of Weird Al with no talent. Yeah. It's a good you way to I mean? say it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, there's nothing positive. And let me give you just a taste of this, oh, of this, of this awfulness. Okay. Let's listen. This is, this will help you appreciate how like, good silver chair is. I can't imagine. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Okay, let's listen. They can't even get the chords right. sounds like something i would come up with off the top of my head <laughs> and and the accent is probably just as good nah. <laughs> maybe your uh, demographic is in australia you give it a, you could write for them wait till tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh anyway we made it through guys that was our dirty dozen anthem of the year 2000 the lever let's say that correct Slave, Reflections of a Sound, Across the Night, Israel's Son, Freak, Emotion Sickness, Pure Massacre, One-Way Mule, Without You, and Tomorrow. Obviously, there were songs on each of our lists that didn't make the final, you know, Dirty Dozen. We had Abuse Me. I love a ballad. Abuse Me, you and I both had as number 10, by the way. Suicidal Dream, Straight Lines, Fault Line, Dearest Helpless, No Association, Insomnia, Anna's Song, Mm. Leave Me Out. Steam will rise, roses, spawn again, and the greatest view. Yeah, spawn again. Jake, pick one song you want to talk about. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned abuse me. I love a, a ballad, but I want to go with spawn again because I feel like, you know, I'm not about animal liberation or vegan or anything, but besides that, it's a super heavy riff and tone and that growling bass, cool, screamy vocal delivery from Daniel. I, I think it's a really good song. And I thought for sure it would be on our list. Yeah. Thundering guitar and then the bass and the drums. It's just a huge song. And it's probably one of the most metal songs that Silverchair yeah. ever did. Yeah. So yeah, I got it. True. What about you? Oh boy, it's hard to actually pick one of them. Well, we each uh, had five that missed. So. There, there's hmm. two of them that are uh, r- right there on the edge that I want to talk about. Um, but pick one. But <laughs> I will just pick one. Straight lines. A great song. Again, it's off of Young Modern, so it's a little bit different. A little bit more of their upbeat type. And definitely uh, more songs. poppy. Yeah. But I thought it had a good tempo. I love the build of the song, the chorus, where it actually builds up more. And as I uh, mentioned earlier, my brother who actually listened to silver chair quite a bit this is actually one of his favorite songs that he hmm. mentioned in there so i was surprised it didn't actually make the list but yeah definitely one i wanted to bring up yeah it's, it's definitely one of the most popular recent songs by silver chair right definitely the one i want to talk about is the one i couldn't believe you guys didn't put on it's off of neon ballroom which i said i really love that album although it was kind of freaky because my, my daughter's name is yeah. anna i knew you'd pick uh, this one. Anna ah. song open fire but mm-hmm. it's all about mm-hmm. anorexia. Yeah. And I thought this was his like moment where he opened up. This is where he just like emotionally let loose yeah, and brought people in yep. to something that he was afraid or never wanted to talk about. And especially being a guy with anorexia, mm-hmm. which is not, you know, most of the time you hear women have that issue and to step up and talk about it and kind of raise the issue internationally, really. Love the gravel you hear in his voice in the chorus. The falsetto voice, as I said before, and the bridge, he gets grungier, and I love some of the wordplay. Yeah. Anorexia your life, like an anorexia life. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's clever. You know what I mean? And all that stuff. He started getting into the wordplay a little bit in the ballroom. He really was in a wheelchair. He had to be pushed around by right. his girlfriend. Yep. He was really in a bad way, willing away to almost nothing if you looked at him during that period. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that was just one of the most powerful songs that they've ever done. That was the one I would talk about. Mm-hmm. All right. Good choice. Ben, thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, and, this uh, is great. Thank you for having me. And popping your cherry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your as silver a, cherry. As, as a, as a, a <laughs> you know, I got to say one thing. Since uh, you called me uh, what, media whatever in the mogul. beginning. Yeah, yeah. Media mogul. Let me add one more thing. Speaking of media mogul. So um, one of the things I was interested in uh, with silver chair is is where are they in the media as um, for movies and shows. And so huh. um, from 1994 to 2019, they've actually been in 23 movies, shows, and games that they've actually been in. Let's not count Netflix, because that could be just like a billion shows. I, I don't know the actual <laughs> titles that they've been, but I thought it was interesting just that they've had, you know, they've been in 23 of these throughout the year. What's the biggest with the one five that, albums that jumps out of Cable do. Guy or uh, Spawn, right? That's probably... Well, Spawn, could very yeah. well be that uh, of stuff they haven't seen. But either way, if you make it into one of those, uh, yeah. you know, that's that, that shows kind of where you are and, and so forth. And, and it means they're still making money. That's what it means. Right. right? Yep. Or yep. at least their record. Yep. That's a big ticket. <laughs> yeah. Somebody is getting money. I'm curious now. I'm Here we go. Now we're going to look it all up. Fact check. They were in the cable car. Yeah, told you. <laughs> <laughs> Always spawn up there. Morat spawn. Scary obviously. movie. Scary. Morat. Yeah. Oh. Scary movie. 
scary movie. Yeah, looks good. There's a lot of stuff that nobody's heard of. Beavis and Butthead, they ran an episode. Ah, see, there you go. Mm. Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> they actually performed on SNL. I don't know why that should be. I guess it's on there because they played on it. Uh, they actually played. There's a really good YouTube video on them on Letterman. They actually played on the David Letterman show. Yeah, and they did a couple of, uh, yeah, just a couple like TV shows and stuff. Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Yay. No way. Yeah, they did. <laughs> What episode 11.8 straight lines? Hey, uh, see, there you go. Straight lines. That's what I that's what I said. That should be on there. Yeah, your friend was a big fan <laughs> of Dancing with the Stars and he's really upset. Hey, they, they made it, they made it on TV. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. All right, thank you, Jake. Of course, you're the rock. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be coming back in two weeks with something special, I think. I will see everybody soon. God bless. See you in two weeks.